I'll, I'll start. I'm good. Test. My own? Test. All right, we are ready to begin. Come in and find a seat. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, in case you didn't get them, we have uh, these sermon note sheets that you need for this morning's sermon outline, sermon note sheets. There are some on the back table right back there. So if you didn't get one, run, right, run back there right now and get one. So you do need these for, uh, for the sermon this morning. As uh, Pastor Merle said, we are in the midst of this series called Freedom. We're talking about freedom and, and being set free. And I feel like there are times I run into people who, who have become Christians but, but are still dealing with junk in their lives. And, and I get asked questions like, if I am a Christian, why am I still dealing with junk from my past? Why do old ways of living still have power over, over me. And, and I think a couple key verses we focused on last week, and we're going to uh, hit them again today, uh, are these verses from 2 Corinthians and, and Romans chapter 8 that says, We with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. We are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We are being transformed into the same image. And Romans 8 says, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So really what God is doing in every Christian is trying to make us like Jesus. The, the word, one word is Christ-likeness. He is trying to make us like Jesus. We are being conformed to the likeness of his son. And really, for each of us, it's an ongoing, it's a lifelong process of being conformed to the, to the image of Jesus and who Jesus is. Part of this process is being set free from stuff, being set free from junk in our lives, the ungodly stuff of life. You see in your paper, uh, the, the six areas we're talking about through this through this study, we talked last week about freedom from sins of the fathers. That's generational stuff that gets handed down from family uh, grandfathers and, and parents and, and generations past. The ungodly stuff that gets handed down. And then today we're talking about freedom from curses. And then we'll also talk in coming weeks about ungodly beliefs, soul, spirit hurts, demonic oppression, and, and shame. And we're using a lot of the material from Restoring the Foundations Ministry by Chester and Betsy Kilstra. We have trained ministers here at Newport Church in Restoring the Foundation Ministries who are available to meet with you and minister with you if uh, you would like. So last week we talked about freedom from stuff handing down from parents and ancestors and repenting from that sin. And, you know, we receive things that are passed down whether or not we want them, whether uh, or not we like them. And in the same way, there are sins, there are curses that are handed down through family lines. Peter said in, in 1 Peter 1, knowing you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. So all the way back from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve developed 
or, or fell into feudal ways of living, and that, that sinful way of living has passed all the way down through generations to, to us. So in all these areas, all these six areas, Satan brings lies and deception on one hand, chains and addictions and slavery, but on the other hand, Jesus brings truth, and Jesus brings life, and Jesus brings freedom. Jesus comes to break your chains and break your addictions and set you free. A, a key verse, if you don't get anything else this morning, is, is this one from 1 John 3 and verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Because believe me, as we look all around us, inside myself and, and all around our towns, all around our neighborhoods, around our nation, around the nations, there are many, many works of the devil. There are many strongholds. There are many things that, that the devil is, is at work doing and building. And the Bible says the reason Jesus appeared was to destroy those works of the devil. So today we look at curses that impact families and that impact generations. And, and the first thing I think that we need to understand, the first thing we need to realize is that there's a visible world around us, but there's also an invisible world around us. And, and I think lots of Western-thinking, uh, Western-minded people would say, well, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't sense it, then it doesn't exist. If, if I can't see something, I don't believe it exists. And, and the Bible clearly shows us that there's this unseen, invisible world around us, a world of angels, a world of demons, a world of, of God, a world of, of Satan in operation and inactivity around us that we can't physically see with our eyes, usually. But it's still there, and it's still in operation, and it still affects our world, and it still affects our lives, this invisible world of angels who are, who are fighting for the souls of mankind and, and demons who are fighting basically against the lives and souls of mankind, a physical world and a spiritual world. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 says, We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. That means temporary. They're, they're going to pass away eventually. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And so uh, the Bible talks and, and points us to this unseen world of, of spirit around us that's in operation and that we know is real. Even though we can't see it, we know that it is real. So there's this aspect first of worlds that are visible and invisible around us. Secondly, there are things called curses. And the word curse, when people first hear it, sort of conjures up this fairy tale image of, you know, witches standing around a cauldron. So are curses real? And if so, what exactly are curses? What, what exactly are there? And I've got several different several different uh, quotations and definitions here. Derek Prince said, Curses are words spoken with some sort of spiritual authority, either good or evil, that set in motion something that will go on generation after generation 
behind the words as a spiritual power, God or Satan. Kenneth Copeland says a curse is being empowered to fail. A blessing is being empowered to succeed. From God's viewpoint, or a legal viewpoint, a curse is the penalty to be paid for breaking the law, the consequences for disobedience and rebellion. So curses often originate in sin or in curse-filled words that are spoken or pronounced. So another way of saying it is Derek Prince would say, a curse is like, a, like this long arm, long evil arm from the past. And you don't know how far back, but it's stretched out. And every time you're just about to succeed or get to where you want to be, this, this long evil arm from the past trips you up and you have to get up and start again. And, and you get so far and you're, you're tripped up again. And, and this really becomes the, the story of your life. So another picture might be this, this uh, dark shadow from the past over your life, shutting out the sunlight of God's blessing. And you can see other people walking in blessing. You can see other people walking in the sunlight. And you know it's there and real, but somehow the sun very seldom seems to, seems to shine on you. So one more picture is that a curse can be a barrier or a roadblock to healing or prosperity. And, and if you ever hear phrases like, well, the same thing, whether it was a hardship or a problem or a sickness, the same thing happened to my father and my grandfather. In other words, it seems to run in our family. That might be a curse. So the effects of blessings and curses are seldom limited to just one person. It also extends usually to families or tribes or communities or whole nations. That the scripture that, that Pastor Merle read this morning from, from Malachi talked about a curse coming on the entire nation of Israel. Why? Because they stopped tithing. And, and God pronounced, God spoke this curse over them saying, I'm going to pull back my protection and blessing over you. In fact, you're, you're cursed because you're not, you're not giving. And, and these curses tend to continue down through generations until something happens to stop them. So blessings and curses from the Bible are connected to the, you know, the patriarchs back thousands of years ago. And they may continue to work today, thousands of years later. So the Bible gives us this clear distinction between what a blessing is like on one side and what a curse is like on the other side. Because the, the main vehicle for both blessings and curses the, the main vehicles are words. They're spoken, they're, they're written, or they're, they're thought. But, but it's words in action. There's incredible power in your words. Anyone ever talk to yourself? Come on, you can admit it. <laughs> Most of us talk to ourselves one way or another. You're driving down the road and you get into a traffic jam. You're talking to yourself, aren't you? There's incredible power in your words. Proverbs 12 and verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. In the book of in the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy, chapter, chapter 28, if you have your Bibles, turn to that. I'm not going to 
put much of it up on the screen because it's a really long, long scripture. So if you have your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 28. And there are, there, uh, the Bible talks about what blessings are and about what curses are. And so there's 14 verses that talk about blessings. And there are 54 verses that talk about curses. And, and there's a difference here. Like, if you read these verses, you can see pretty clearly between black and white, night and day, whether you'd rather be blessed or whether you'd rather be cursed. And it doesn't take long to figure it out. Because there, the, the first thing uh, the Bible talks about as, as uh, God is giving Moses this law, and, and Moses is giving it to the people, Moses is saying, here are blessings. There are seven general categories of, of blessings. The first category is, is exaltation. Uh, you will be lifted up. You're no longer living under things. So to be blessed means you'll be exalted. Number two, uh, blessing is reproductiveness, fruitfulness. This person is fruitful in every area of life. It could be, it could be business. It could be uh, family. In Bible times, fruitfulness meant having a large family because uh, having a large family showed that you were blessed in Bible times. Uh, it was the sign of being blessed. So number three, blessing is category is health. Number four is prosperity or success. Number five is victory. Every, every time you go out to fight a battle, you're going to win. That's a blessing. Number six, you'll be the head and not the tail. That's good to be the head and not the tail, right? The head makes decisions. The tail just gets dragged around, right? So a blessing is that you'll be the head and not the tail. Number seven is that you'll be above and not beneath. So the story goes of two friends who happened to run into each other. How are you? The first friend asked the second. Not bad under the circumstances, replied the second friend. That's fine, replied the first, but whatever you are you doing under the circumstances? So, you know, are we blessed? Are we living under the circumstances? Or are we living above the circumstances? So there's seven general categories of blessings in the Old Testament here in Deuteronomy. There are also seven categories of, of curses. And as you read these, you, you realize, boy, I don't want to be cursed. Number one is humiliation. Number, uh, you're always being dragged down lower. Number two is failure to reproduce. It's barrenness. So this is like just a mirror image of the blessings. So you take the blessings and you, you take the evil mirror image, and this is what the curses are. Humiliation, barrenness, failure to reproduce. Number three, sickness of every kind. Whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's repeated or chronic sickness. Now, please hear me that not every sickness is a curse. Uh, but there are some times that, that um, families or, or down through generations, curses and, and sicknesses uh, get handed down. Notice the key descriptive words. It's, it's plague, it's incurable, it's extraordinary, it's fearful. There's uh, physical barrenness or physical barrenness. Uh, number four, there's poverty or failure. Number five, there's defeat. Number six, you're the tail and not the head. Number seven, you're beneath and not above. So 
You know, as we begin to discover and we begin to pray about this, uh, I think a, a huge key to all of this is asking Holy Spirit to show you if there's anything ungodly in operation in your life and in your family and in your, in your generations. Say, God, I'm hearing this teaching about generational sin. I'm hearing this teaching about curses. Lord, would you show me and would you put a spotlight in my life of anything that's in operation in me that's ungodly that I need to be set free from? Because Jesus wants to set you free. So you begin to ask, Holy Spirit, would you show me? God wants you to be set free, and he speaks to us, and he reveals it to us. So you may come up from prayer ministry here this morning, but our prayer ministers here aren't, aren't the doctors. They aren't the ones who set you free. Jesus is the doctor, right? God is the doctor. So you ask him to diagnose you. You ask him to, to give you uh, what you need to be set free from, to expose anything evil in operation. And, and bring healing and, and to bring freedom. Now, let's dig into this a little bit more. Where do curses come from? Number one, uh, from all the way back in the Garden of Eden, uh, the first curses we, we read about in the Bible, the first curse came from God, Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve sinned, and, and God said, okay, because things have changed here, uh, cursed is... The serpent, and, and cursed is the ground, and, and cursed is uh, uh, man because he's going to have to do work and labor and, and toil for his living, and, and cursed is, is woman because she's going to have uh, great pain and, and childbirth. And so all these things, even the ground itself, which we would say means all of creation comes under this, this curse. And, and Romans 8 says that, that creation itself will be set free eventually, and the whole creation has been groaning together. And so like all of the universe is, is groaning because of this curse that's on it. And when Jesus comes back, that curse is going to be gone. It's going to be taken away. And, and I think we're going to be so amazed to see what our earth looks like, what the world looks like, what the universe looks like when, when we're free from that curse, finally. So creation is like groaning under, under that curse. And, and there are probably lots of ways of explaining what that groaning is, is all about. So from Adam and Eve, our rebellion against God is at the root of those curses. And curses enter families perhaps through, through, uh, through sin. 2 Kings chapter 5 is a, is a really interesting story of how a curse came into a family through one person's sin. So 2 Kings chapter 5 is, is the story, you remember the uh, stories of, in the Old Testament of the prophets Elijah, who came along first, and then his, his sidekick, his, his assistant, his protege, was Elisha. And Elisha was one who got the the double anointing, right? The, the double power that, that Elijah had. So, so Elisha was an even greater prophet of God in the time of the kings of, of Israel. And so the story in 2 Kings chapter 5 is that this uh, foreigner uh, from Syria, his name was Naaman, he was an important, uh, important official in the kingdom of, of Syria, and he had a health problem. 
In fact, it was probably going to be a fatal health problem. He had leprosy, which was a wasting, lingering, painful, horrible disease uh, from which you didn't recover. And if you were going to recover, it had to be a miracle. So Naaman the Syrian had leprosy, and there's nothing he could do about it. So the story goes that, that as the Syrians were out making war against the Israelites, they captured this little uh, Israelite girl who they hauled back to Syria as a slave. And, and uh, she ended up being the slave in the house of Naaman. And uh, uh, the story goes that, that this little girl realizes that Naaman is sick and probably going to die from leprosy. So she tells Naaman, she tells the family, you know, there is a prophet in Israel that if you would go and see him, his name is Elisha, that you would be healed. And I think, I think Naaman was at his last straw. He, he had no other hope for it to do anything else to be healed. So he goes and, and he takes some, some uh, uh, lots of money along and he takes a lot of stuff along to give his gifts to the Israelites. And he gets finally through the story, gets to Elisha. And Elisha says, yes, God can heal you. But what you have to do is you have to go down to the Jordan River and you have to dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and then you will be healed. And, and Naaman almost sort of gets up in a huff and, and leaves and, and thinks, well, the Jordan River, that's just a little insignificant river. Back in Syria, we've got rivers. You want to see a river, you should come back to Syria. That Jordan River, it's not much at all. And he's, he's heading back to home, and his servants say, uh, Naaman, you know, he didn't really ask you to do anything hard. He just said, he just said, go down to the river and jump in seven times. He didn't really say, you know, maybe you should just give it a try. Maybe it'll work. And so Naaman listens to his servants. He turns around, goes back to the Jordan River, dips himself in seven times, and wow, I'm healed. Praise God. And and glory to God. Uh, you know, I believe that, that God had a new follower that day. Naaman and all his, all his followers became followers of God that day. And the story should have ended there, but it doesn't. Because Elisha, the prophet of God, had this servant. And his name was Gehazi. And, and Gehazi saw all the stuff that had happened. He saw all the things that, that Naaman brought along. He saw all the, the rich clothes that he brought as gifts to give to Elisha, he saw all the money, the gold, the silver, and all this stuff. And he thought, boy, that'd be cool to have some of that for myself, but I don't know how I'm going to get it. And so uh, the story goes that, that Naaman was healed. Naaman was heading back to Syria, and Gehazi thought, I think I can figure out how to, how to do this. So he, he chases after Naaman and, and catches up with Naaman, and they stop and talk, and, and Naaman said, look, uh, Gehazi says, look, uh, you know, some friends of Elisha have just arrived, and they don't have any clothes, and, and uh, could, you, could you help us out? And so Naaman says, sure, I'll, I'll give you some stuff, and he gives them some silver, he gives them some clothes, he gives them all this treasure, which Gehazi intends to keep for himself. And, and uh, you know, because of his deception, because of his sin, the story goes that Gehazi got back to Elisha, and you shouldn't try to fool a prophet because a prophet knows what's going on. And, and, Ge and Elisha says, Gehazi, where have you been? 
And Gehazi said, well, I've just been sort of coming and going, you know. I've just been around, hanging around, you know. And, and Elisha said, in my own words, I know what you've done. And I know the deception and the sin and the greed that are in your heart. And Elisha says, because of your sin, because of your deception, the leprosy that was on Naaman is now going to be on you. And it's going to be on your children and all your descendants forever. And the Bible says, the leprosy of Naaman shall, you know, shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And Gehazi went out from Elisha's presence, a leper, white as snow. That's what uh, leprosy looked like. Your skin, skin turned white before it started to rot away. So because of his sin and greed and deception, Gehazi receives a curse on his life and on his family. So curses come not just from God, curses come from others, from word curses that are spoken into one person by another. Now, not every word is a curse. Curses may come from people in authority. They may come from parents. They may come from teachers. And often curses... I believe, are those that are, start with you always or you never statements that have great power. For example, not them yet. For example, you'll never amount to anything. You'll always fail in school. Word curses. You'll never succeed. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never graduate. You'll always be sick. You'll never be satisfied. Who would want to marry you? Your dreams will never come true. You always fill in the blank. You never fill in the blank. Word curses. An example of a curse that happened in my family a couple generations ago. Uh, I told you last week about my grandfather, Charlie Dice, and his uh, little book of of ration stamps from World War II. Well, I'm going to tell you another story from my grandparents, Charlie and Mary Dice, who lived in Cochranville, Pennsylvania. Um, my dad was a, an identical twin. Charlie and Mary had identical twin boys. And uh, this is a, a picture of them at, at like uh, four or five years old. Uh, they were absolutely, completely identical. In fact, um, they, they would fool the, the grandchildren sometimes. If the grandchildren were young enough, uh, they would get confused about which was grandpa and which was uh, Uncle, Uncle Warren. You know? So it was, it was confusing. Uh, because these guys look so much alike, unintentionally they dressed alike, unintentionally they bought the same color cars. I mean, it was just sort of weird how alike they were. They talked alike. If you heard them on the phone, you could never be quite sure uh, who you were talking to. And um, the, the weird stories would be, you know, uh, someone coming up to you and saying, hey, I saw, your, I, I saw your dad in Park City last night, but I have no clue who that woman was he was with. You know, so it's like, oh, he must have seen my Uncle Warren. That wasn't my dad. So, <laughs> so relating to curses, uh, when uh, that's what they looked like when they graduated from high school, I think, something like that. So they, they looked a lot alike. You can see where, where I get my looks from anyway. Um, so uh, when, when they were young, like four or five, six years old, um, and I'm not sure how to say this politically correctly, but there were these itinerant groups of people who would, who would uh, travel around the countryside and they would camp 
at, at your, in your meadow or in your field. Uh, back then, they called them gypsies. I'm not sure if they are still around or if they still are called that. Um, but they, they, would, they would move around. They would, they would camp out from, from place to place, and they would um, sometimes come to my grandparents' farm and, and stay down in the, in the lower pasture. And so there must have been some interaction between uh, Charlie and Mary and, and uh, the twin boys and these, these itinerant people who moved around. Because the, uh, the itinerant people, the, I'll call them gypsies, I'm not sure if that means what, what it is or not. Uh, the gypsies saw these little boys and were quite taken by them and, and offered to buy them from my grandparents. Well, of course, you know, I don't know what the conversation, uh, what, how the conversation went, but I think my, my grandparents were quite horrified that someone wanted to buy their children. And, uh, and so uh, I didn't really hear uh, what, what amount was offered or anything like that. But my grandparents said emphatically, no, we're not going to sell you our, our children. And as a result, for, for a certain amount of time anyway, a, a curse was pronounced on my grandparents' farm by the, by the gypsies because they wouldn't sell uh, the twin boys to, to them. And as a result, on the farm, the crops stopped growing, and the uh, cows stopped giving milk, and the chickens stopped laying eggs, and, and all these things started happening on the farm as a result. Now, when I, when I heard this uh, years later, of course, you know, I think there's stories that get passed down through through every family in, in one way or another, some good, some bad. But when I heard this, I realized that, that I don't know if that curse stopped back there, and, and I need to confess whatever happened and, and make sure that my family's free from that curse continuing on down. So we'll talk about being set free from, from curses in a bit. But, but I think there's an interesting illustration of, of an actual curse that that we could see uh, the effects right there on the spot of, of uh, what was happening in the, uh, from the spirit world into, into the natural world. So, curses come from God, they come from uh, others, and curses also come from ourselves. These are self-curses. And I think without realizing it, we speak or we think curses over ourselves because our words have amazing power. And often they come back, just like a boomerang, coming back to operate against us. Now, I'm not saying that every thought and every word is a curse, but they become self-curses when we accept them deep into our hearts, and and they become beliefs as the foundation of our lives. Uh, There's a really good illustration of this in Numbers 13, Numbers 14 in the Old Testament, where Israel is traveling, they, they got out of Egypt as slaves and they crossed the Red Sea and they're traveling through the desert and they get to the promised land for the first time. And, and uh, God says you should send 12 spies into the promised land and spy out the land to see what it's like. And so they send 12 spies into, into the promised land. Two of the spies came back with a positive report. It's a great land, it's exciting It's flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, there's some strong people there, but we can go and we can take it. With the power of God, with God's help, we can can take that land. We are able to overcome it. And the other 10 spies had a negative report. 
we are not able to go up against those people. They are strong. Uh, they made us look like grasshoppers. They are giants. They have fortified cities. There is no way that we can go up against those people. The first, the, well, those 10 spies, the Bible says, were the first to die in the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb, the two spies who had faith, were promised that they would enter the land and possess it. So, in a, in a way, all 12 spies determined their own destiny by the words they spoke concerning themselves. Those who said, we are able to enter the land, those two did enter the land. Those who said, we are not able to enter the land, because they didn't have faith in God, and God took them all at their, at their word. So what are examples of, of dangerous or or curse-filled, possible curse-filled words that we speak or think over our, ourselves. It's driving me crazy. No, don't speak mental, emotional illness over yourself. I just can't take any more. I'm going to break. No, don't speak emotional breakdowns over yourself. Whenever there's a cold or flu or sickness going around, I always catch it. No, don't speak disease and sickness over yourself. <clears throat> it runs in the family, so I guess I'm next. It doesn't have to, because we can be set free by the power of Jesus. I don't think I'll, uh, women who might say, I don't think I'll ever get pregnant, uh, people who say, I always knew my husband or wife would leave me, and our family, we always fight like cats and dogs. I can never make ends meet. My father was the same way. I can't afford to tithe. It always happens to me. I'm just a clumsy kind of person. What's the use of living? I'd rather die than go on the way I am. And there are many, many, many other examples and illustrations of the kinds of curses that come out of our mouths and become powerful parts of our lives. So watch your words. Watch your words. Your words have great power over yourselves and over other people. Even when you're alone, even when you're talking to yourself, thinking to yourself, you are also listening to yourself. And, and words go out of your mouth, but they also come back to take up root inside of you. So speak words of life and hope and faith. Speak words that encourage and build up. Speak words that line up with the Word of God and His character. It's not just the power of positive thinking because your words and even your thoughts have spiritual power in that invisible spiritual realm. So how are curses actually carried out? Uh, perhaps they might be orchestrated or allowed by God. It might be the law of sowing and, and reaping, planting and harvesting. Whether it be environment, whether it be genetics, whether it be the power of darkness, Curses are carried out, carried out in, in, in many different ways. But we can be set free from the stuff handed down from generations. We can be set free from, from the, the curses that happen. Galatians 13, 3 and verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus became a curse that we might receive blessing of living instead of living under curses. So every curse of Deuteronomy 28 came on Jesus on the cross so that we could, be, could live lives of freedom and, and live lives of blessing. 
So I encourage you, again, ask Holy Spirit to show you what is happening in the invisible world, in the spirit world. He's your doctor. He is your counselor. He empowers you. Is there a curse in operation somewhere? Remember, every problem isn't a curse, but don't deny there could be some in operation. And so how do we get free from curses in our lives? Number one, confess your faith in Jesus and his sacrifice on your behalf. Don't try to do it on your own power. We do this by the shed blood of Jesus and by the power of the shed blood of Jesus, by the power of the cross. Number two, we repent of rebellion, repent of sins, whether it's our own sins, whether it's our ancestors, whether it's something that happened way back in the past, we repent of sin that happened. We claim forgiveness for, our, for sins. We forgive people who've uh, harmed us or, or wronged us or spoken curses over us. We forgive ourselves. Sometimes that, that can be the most difficult part of all is like we condemn ourselves and we say, I, I can never forgive myself for doing that or saying that. No, as Jesus has forgiven us, we also can forgive ourselves. We renounce contact with the occult or satanic and we pray for release from curses based on Jesus' work on the cross. We renounce curses that we've spoken over ourselves and we believe that we've received, and we go in God's blessing. So God wants you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free. He became a curse on the cross for each one of us so that we don't have to live in the world of curses anymore. We don't have to live under the generational junk that was handed down in our family line. We can receive freedom in the name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads to pray today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord that because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, because, of, because Jesus became a curse for us, we no longer have to, have to live under curses that have been spoken over us by others, curses that we've spoken over ourselves in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that, that we can be set free, that we can, we can receive the freedom that you have for us. And Lord, I pray today that you'd stir up fresh new faith in you, Lord, that you're a good doctor, you're a good father, that you want to come in and, and break things and, and, and set us free. So Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just begin right now to, to uh, speak the breaking of curses over this church family today in the name of Jesus, the breaking of curses over individuals, the breaking of curses over families, the breaking of curses over generations. Lord, the breaking of curses in this community, in this in the state, in this nation, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we plead the shed blood of Jesus over each person here, each family, each marriage to, today in the name of Jesus. We declare that no curse will be able to continue down to our children and to our children's children, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Because of the shed blood of Jesus, we are delivered, we are healed, we are set free. And Lord, in place of, of uh, the curses, Lord, we speak blessing, we speak the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you come and, and just begin to fill each one of us fresh and new with your Holy Spirit, with your power, with your presence, Lord because we know that we desperately need you. We need your power. We need your presence in our lives today in the name of Jesus. I'd like to invite our prayer ministers to come today. We'd like to be here to, to pray with you and minister with you. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we, we trust our lives with you. We know that you're a good, good doctor. We know that you're a good physician and that you will, you will bring healing. You will bring freedom. You will uh, cut off from the past what needs, to be, what needs to be stopped and what needs to be cut off. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would, you would move among us today that you would speak to each person. Lord, I pray that there, we'd have open and sensitive hearts to hear what Holy Spirit is saying. And, and Lord, if you're pinpointing something in our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't go out these doors today until we've, we've received the freedom that you promised. And, and Lord, I pray, uh, and I just, I just declare and proclaim freedom for any captives here, breaking of any chains that are here this morning in the name of Jesus, Lord. Or, Lord, we, we choose to walk forward in new freedom today because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that chains are broken. Thank you, Lord, that, that curses are broken. The power of curses from generations, that is broken today in Jesus' name. That uh, generational sin is forgiven and, and atoned for, and, and we are set free from that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I pray that you just continue to move and work in our hearts today and this week in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I feel like uh, we're just kind of a, a quiet time of, of ministry here today. If you need to go, you can, you can certainly go. Uh, but I, I just like to have this to be a, a quiet time of, of ministry. And if you need to come up to the uh, stage here just to just to bow and spend time in God's presence. That we just invite you to do that this morning. There are prayer ministers here. We'd love to to pray with you this morning. Uh, we'd love to help you and guide you and and uh, um, agree with you today. But I just encourage this to be a just a quiet time of of uh, ministering before the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed. Uh, go with go with God today. Uh, you you can be uh, excused if you need to go, but come forward for prayer. I'd like we'd love to uh, to pray with you this morning.